Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. It's everywhere these days. You can't turn on the television or listen to the radio or have somebody not mention something related to coronavirus. And the reason why everyone is so concerned is because we certainly want to make sure that we protect the most vulnerable members of our society. Here to tell us more about what we can do is Dr. Bradley Wilcox. He is a professor and director of research at the Department of Geriatric Medicine at John A. Byrne School of Medicine and also working at Kuakini Medical Center, their center of excellence on working on trying to prevent Aging. I don't want to get older, Dr. Wilcox. It's happening anyway. Thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure, Dr. Kozak. Can I call you Kathleen? Please do. Please do. Yes. Either way, I will answer to any of them. Now, everyone's talking about coronavirus, and I realize that we're very worried about it. And a lot of the local nursing homes and some of the assisted living homes, they've really taken a very proactive approach to trying to protect their patients or their clientele by trying to help keep everybody safe, checking temperatures, not out and about in group settings. These are some of the things that the care homes are doing. What can all of us do, and and how vulnerable are our kapuna to coronavirus? I think that the care homes uh, and assisted living facilities in Hawaii are doing a fantastic job. As far as I know, as of yet, there uh, has not been a death in one of the uh, care homes in Hawaii, but that's very different from what you see on the mainland where there's been outbreaks in many, many different care homes, including in Washington State. It's probably the most famous one, but all over the U.S. And I think what the care homes in Hawaii have done is be, like you said, be very proactive. And so there, you know, there's some really tough decisions that had to be made, including no family visitations, um, mostly, you know, quarantine to your room. I mean, there's things that the seniors can do at some places, like they'll play hallway bingo and that sort of thing where you can still interact with people, you know, liberal use of face masks, uh, food delivered to the rooms. Um, so there's, and care, the, the caregivers that come in there, they're, they're, I think, mostly restricted to working at one place now instead of multiple places where they might be able to spread something around. And they're, they're checked every time they go in. They go through a pretty... Uh, Good procedure, you know, checking for symptoms, that sort of thing. So I think, you know, uh, as a society, you know, uh, as a whole, social distancing has also been extremely helpful. And you can see, actually, um, you know, the social distancing policy that the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, came up with in this country is to keep at least uh, six feet away from each other, which is a pretty, pretty sage advice. Um, although some of the newer studies are coming out and suggesting that the coronavirus, this particular coronavirus, might also be airborne. And that one, one study said even up to 13 feet away, you know, you, there might be trouble. So, but definitely keep at least six feet away. So I think, you know, the, the World Health Organization sums it up pretty well. They have this kind of uh, moniker, stay, keep, wash, cover, sick. So stay at home as much as you can, keep a safe distance from other people, wash your hands as often as you can, cover your cough by coughing into your, your the inside of your elbow, um, and if you're sick, call ahead to your physician's office. And if you're really sick, call 911. So th- I think those are some some uh, 
a bit of sage advice. And I think, you know, we've got some good resources in Hawaii. The Department of Health is excellent. Um, you know, basically, you can you learn, uh, they give a daily update on coronavirus. Um, they can be found at health.hawaii.gov, and they give a lot of uh, advice for kupuna and others that are high, at higher risk, um, as well as all of us that are at risk. And there's, uh, of course, the CDC um, is, is also excellent. Uh, so you can, you can look at cdc.gov and find all kinds of resources for uh, helping people get through this uh, coronavirus pandemic. One of my favorite ones there is, is the self-checker. And you, it's, a, it's a guide for decision-making and seeking medical care. Um, and you can list your symptoms and you can see the likelihood that you might uh, have coronavirus based on your symptoms what to do, you know, is this emergency? Do you have breathing problems? Well, that's an emergency. You've got to call 911, not, not your own doctor. So it's really good for triaging for, for people that just, uh, you know, really want to get a better idea of what, what is serious and what is not. Well, and, um, and I agree there's some excellent resources that are out there and great sites for people to look at. One thing I always try and remind uh, patients about is the fact that you know, we're writing the rules as we go along. Yes, we've had exposures yeah. and experiences to other episodes, not just of coronavirus with SARS back in 2002, 2003, MERS that happened a few years back. You know, we also had the swine flu, but this is uncharted waters. This is something that, you know, a lot of folks might say, how come we weren't prepared for this? Well, we are as best as we can be, but I do think that this this is... An unusual episode. This is a virus that tends to have some unusual characteristics. And everybody that I see is really trying to do their best and trying to at least come up with some guidelines that are putting the least number of people at risk. You know, we talk a lot about the elderly in the Kapuna. Those in care homes may have some additional ways that they can take precautions. But we have multi-generational families here in the islands. What are some of the things that people who might be living with several generations, you know, grandparents living with kids, living with grandkids, maybe even living with great-grandchildren, how can we help protect them? Because I'm, I'm worried that this, this multi-generational households where one or two people could be going to work because they're considered essential might be bringing home things to their elderly loved ones and never want to put them at risk. How can we simulate some of the great work done in some of the care facilities in a domestic environment in somebody's own house? That's an excellent question, uh, Kath. And I really think that one of the best things, again, is social distancing. It's really uh, helped us in the whole country uh, and as well, as well in Hawaii to really flatten flatten the curve of more and more cases and more and more deaths so that the healthcare system can handle it. Um, so if you have a room, for example, uh, that the kupuna can, can live in, I mean, if they're living with three, with three children in, a, in, a, in the same room and there happens to be an extra room, then I think it's definitely uh, a wise decision to, to, to separate them. Um, and I think uh, the children and the, the other family members have to realize that you know, it's just it's not the same, you know, and that, as it was before, at least for now, with regards to hugging and kissing, and you need to maintain that distance. Um, and I, I think there's there's ways to do that where you, you can still um, interact with your grandkids. I mean, you, there's, if everybody's got a video chat thing going these days, and um, you could do potential activities like uh, painting and drawing and um, that sort of thing, you know, over 
over a video chat system like your your, your phone. So, um, but I also think that washing uh, uh, hands frequently uh, is extremely important when you come inside. You know, wash wash your hands. You know, you, you take your don't put, don't take your your shoes inside because you can actually track coronavirus. Uh, uh, on, on the back of your shoes, uh, especially if you're working at, say, a, a medical center or a, a care home and you come back to your own home. So you have to keep that stuff outside. Um, so I think there's a number of things that, that we can do. Um, and obviously, if you have symptoms, uh, uh, definitely get, get checked out. Um, wearing a mask is also helpful, too. So we, we used to be told by the CDC not too long ago, maybe last week, that maybe we didn't have to wear a mask. But, you know, because there's a lot of asymptomatic transmission, uh, especially amongst uh, young people, you know, and those, that's sort of the, they're the perfect transmission vector because they don't generally get as sick as older people. So if they're going to be close to, to the Kapuna and others, they should be wearing a mask. And the CDC has some really good guidelines, and it doesn't mean you have to go out and get a hospital N95 mask, you know, the kind of protection from tuberculosis and uh, that sort of thing. They, they, they give a, about seven different ways to, to make, make a mask at home. You just look at cdc.gov, search mask, and they give you all kinds of tips on how to make them. I mean, you can even take an old shirt and make a mask out of it. And the mask, it doesn't necessarily uh, protect you as much as it protects others. If you're coughing or if you have airborne particles coming out just by, you know, speaking, uh, then that can at least cut down on the airborne uh, transmission. And so it really, there's a lot of small things that you can do to mitigate the risks. Well, and I think, you know, the issue with the masks, it's uh, it's certainly not going to be the hospital grade. We need to reserve those for medical professionals. But there are some some good ways that people can take a look to craft a mask. There are a couple of key elements to it. You know, make sure you wear it correctly. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but I've seen some folks out there with like their nose outside of the mask. And I'm like, well, that's not really working. Or make sure that it has some way to be form-fitting. You know, I know that we talked uh, a little while ago on another show here about elastic is hard to find. And yet, you know, way back when, before elastic was used, people used different cloth gowns, particularly in operating rooms. And they had masks that had ties that you could tie tight. So you don't necessarily have to have elastic. You just need to make sure that there is at least a little bit of seal around the nose and the mouth. The other thing that I think masks help people to do is... Stop touching your face. You know, yeah. I mean, I tried Excellent to stop point. this once, and and I, I was pathetic and bad at it. And, <laughs> you know, I just figured that a lot of times women, if they're wearing eye makeup or some of their makeup, they often don't touch their face so they don't mess it up. So I'm like, oh, I've got this covered. And, of course, I didn't. I had somebody watch me, and it was just I was completely unaware of the number of times that I did it. So the mask helps not just for you to keep your germs to yourself, but it also helps for you to stop touching your face and hopefully washing your hands some more. That's the other key. I mean, hand sanitizer is still a little hard to come by, but there's nothing like good old soap and water for at least 20 seconds or so. Yes, yes. And you can you can actually, but those are excellent points. I, I think a, a mask, if you're making it yourself as a do-it-yourself cloth mask, you can wash it and use it again. The detergent will kill the, the COVID virus. 
That's so. very true. There are some some recommendations to wash it. Some people said, can we microwave it? And, and you know, that's that's a possibility as long as there's no metal in there and, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not going to, like, burst into flames. Uh, but certainly there are some, some Just things. Just don't eat it. Yeah, don't eat it right. There are some things that people can do to keep themselves safe. And that's another good point. Don't wear the same mask every day because then you're not really doing very much. You might be spreading stuff on the masks that you don't even realize. So for exactly. those folks who might live with older folks in the home, if they're going out and about, they may even want to continue to wear their mask if they come home. And they're around their kapuna. They may just want to keep that on if they can't keep that six feet of distance. That's certainly something to consider. You brought up another really good point, which was a lot of people have smartphones. And even those people who have the regular phones, you know, keeping in touch with people. One of the things that I worry about is that we've done some studies, and I'm sure you're much more knowledgeable about these than I, that looked at the effect of loneliness as we get older as a significant impact to how people do health-wise. And for a lot of the seniors that are sort of stuck at home and they're not allowed to leave, whether it be their own apartment or somewhere else in a care facility, they may be feeling isolated. And so engaging with them, calling them on the phone, keeping them up to date with what's going on in your lives, I mean, certainly they can probably watch TV, but a little bit more on the personal aspect, might help to sort of ease that anxiety that everybody feels about just being isolated and alone. That's an excellent point, and especially with older adults, stress and coping, you know, loneliness, big, big issues. And, you know, it's, there's other things I think you can do in that, that area, like take breaks from watching, reading, or listening to news all the time about coronavirus. It can be pretty depressing. Take a news fast. You know, maybe once a while. Yeah, um, get a get a good old book. You know, go back yeah, to the basics, yeah. right? You know, take deep breaths, stretch, meditate. You know, eat well balanced, healthy meals. You know, make time to unwind, connect with others, as you said. Um, and I, so, I think there are a lot of things you can do. And I, one thing, you know, that bothers me about the elderly, uh, you know, the Kapuna now, they're really at risk for. Uh, these healthcare scams now that uh, coronavirus is out there. And Consumer and Corporate Affairs Hawaii has some really good information on that. Um, but they, you know, these scammers, they prey on isolation, you know, they, uh, and they, you know, some of the biggest scams out there are, you know, are you got, have you got your stimulus check? You know, we'll help expedite it, that kind of thing. You know, selling medical supplies, that kind of thing. Asking personal information, you know, talking about testing and cures, um, and especially when they tell you not to talk to your MD or other family members about that. It's got raise, yeah, that's raise a red that, flag. Raise a red flag. So yeah. I think we have to be watchful for that. Very important point. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we're talking today to Dr. Bradley Wilcox. He is a geriatric specialist, and he's the professor and director of research at the Department of Geriatric Medicine at John A. Burns School of Medicine. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about some ways to keep the kapuna protected and ways we can all stay protected during this time of heightened awareness of public health measures. It kind of makes me wonder what we haven't been doing all these years and what we'll be able to take forward and learn from this experience in order to help everybody to stay as healthy as possible. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University, 
and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Bradley Wilcox on the line, and he is not just helping out to explain what to do with our kapuna. He's also the head of research, and he is working on doing some excellent work on trying to make all of us keep our kapuna safe. Dr. Wilcox, we talked just briefly ago about things we can do to keep the kapuna safe, and you mentioned stay away from scams. That is something that I didn't think of top of mind but you're absolutely right because those can come across via email. They can come across via friendly phone calls. And if somebody's asking for personal information, don't do it. Do not click on, yes, I'll give it. I've even gotten some weird emails recently that the address they're coming from is kind of suspect. And it talks a little bit about, hey, we want you to check your recent charges on your whatever credit card and call us and we'll go over your bank information. And I'm like, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> Uh-oh. But these are things that could really happen. And I could picture someone getting emails and getting worried and saying, I've got to call these folks. And They're home alone with a lot of time on their hands. So, again, be very careful about some of the scams. Now, you referenced a site that has some good information for folks. What was that again? Uh, CDC.com. So the Centers for Disease Control, uh, (laughs) .gov. Okay. Uh, CDC.gov has uh, actually a really nice uh, information uh, section, particularly for Kapuna, you know, for for older folks that – Talks about you know you know things that uh, you can do to uh, stay healthier, to avoid risk, and you know minimize your risk. And and if you get sick, you know what to do. One of my uh, favorite things was the uh, basically it's called the self checker. If you just uh, search out on your search engine CDC and self checker, it will give you uh, a guide for decision making and whether or not to seek medical care. Um, and it gives you all kinds of other tips about, you know, what are the symptoms of coronavirus infection and what are things to worry about, what are things not to worry about. So if you're elderly and you're not in a group home environment and you you might need some assistance getting groceries or get picking up your medicines at the pharmacies and maybe you don't have them on mail order, what are some of the ways that the community has stepped up to help people out? Are there services out there that people can look into to try and figure out if they need just some little extra assistance, what they can do? Yes, and I think if you're looking basically at the Hawaii Department of Health will have some information on that. And there's a number of organizations sort of sprung up. I mean, uh, even on, on in, in my neighborhood, I'm part of the Neighborhood, Hot, uh, neighborhood Watch uh, community, and, and we're having volunteer sign-ups for people to help out Kapuna and others that can't do their own shopping. And we're getting quite a bit of interest. And there's actually, you know, uh, uh, another, uh, uh, actually, it's a, it's a nonprofit that was set up by uh, Gabe, uh, Amy, who, and it's called Our Kupuna Website. And basically, it's also along that same kind of uh, thing that we do in, in our neighborhood where they ask volunteers to sign up and they get matched with a Kupuna resident in need of some assistance. They do a really good job of screening, you know, they'll, they'll, you know any kind of assistance, whether it's Meals on Wheels or, you know, uh, shopping for them or, you know, picking up food for them from a delivery. Uh, so, uh, I after they uh, they got set up and, and people started finding out about them, they had uh, I think in one day 140 volunteers signed up, 
Um, but uh, it's really, I think, something that can be helpful. Um, and they have a website. Uh, I can, if you don't mind, I can give that to you. It's sure. our Kupuna website. So if you just check that out, you'll find it. And they also have an 808 number, 808-400-4506. So, you know, I think organizations like that are really stepping up to the plate to help our Kapuna, and it's just really wonderful to see. Well, and it's, you know, times of crisis can sometimes bring out the best or the worst in people, and I'm just always happy to hear about how some people have stepped up and said, I'll help, I can do something, and I can go food shopping for you, or I can just help take out your trash if you can't manage that because maybe you're elderly. And I think it definitely has given us all an opportunity to figure out what we can do to help one another. The other thing that makes me kind of wonder is there's a lot of things that we now need to look at. We need to do social distancing. We need to look at getting a mask, keeping our germs to ourselves, washing our hands. And a lot of these things seem to be, and I don't want to I don't want to say it in an insulting way, but kind of common sense. I mean, Brad, weren't we washing our hands before? I mean, shouldn't we have been doing some of these things? I often think to myself, I wonder if, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe the reason why there has been in in viruses other than coronavirus and other cold and flu seasons, maybe the reason why it's been so rampant is because we really haven't been as strict and stringent about staying home when we're sick, not going to work, washing our hands a lot, boy, not touching our face. I am such a guilty one on that. So, you know, I think moving forward, I wonder if some of these principles that we're learning, we're going to be able to implement and continue uh, even yeah. after this yeah. pandemic, which I'm hoping at some point will be over soon, so that we can hope sp- stop spreading other things around too. Yes, exactly. I mean, I remember when I was a when I was a cakey. If I if I tracked in the house with shoes, you know, I grew up in Canada, and if you had mud, of course, you, in the wintertime, you're going to get mud on your shoes, and you'd be tracked in the house. Whoa, you heard about it. If I didn't wash my hands before dinner, after dinner, you know, after going to the restroom, it was <laughs> it'd be heck to pay from my mom. But I think we're a little ahead of that, you know, here already because we have the custom in Hawaii of, of you know, taking, taking the our shoes, shoes off. off at the yeah. door, and and people, you know, tend to be quite clean here, and it's you know a, a lot of a lot of good health habits already. I think. Well, and I find that I've modified a few. So, you know, I have hand sanitizer as soon as I, when I'm in my car, before I leave it, I, you know, have a hand sanitizer. And then I go in the house and the first thing my husband put by the front door is hand sanitizer. And he's like, yeah, you better use this before you come in. And he's right. You know, here I am a healthcare worker. So I'm going off to the office every day. And we we are still seeing people in person when they have a need. We're doing a lot of other types of telemedicine we'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, I'm the risk in our household. It's it's really just me. So I really need to be careful and make sure that I'm not going to spread this to the other people who were there. Now, telemedicine is another interesting thing. I've sort of seen, you know, if you were to ask me back in January how many of my medical visits were done either on the phone or through video or through electronic, we call them e-visits, electronic visits, which is using like an email portal, very few, you know, very few. And now, almost exclusively, yes, we're doing that. So we've really seen the ramp up in the use of technology in order to meet the needs of our patients, because there are still some people who physically need to come in, 
you have to examine them or look at something or assess if there's an infected joint or whatever the case may be. But a lot of folks were now finding pretty creative ways to take care of them through other mechanisms. And I, I'm wondering, do you think that's going to stay even after the pandemic, which, again, I'm hoping is over at some point? Do you think we're going to still utilize some of these technologies, given what you see out there now? Yes, Kathy, I think that's a really, really good point. And um, imagine, I mean, even 10 years ago, who would have been talking about what we're talking about now? And it's, it is becoming more and more popular. And it's really convenient, especially for a lot of Kapuna that are maybe homebound or it's very difficult for them to get out. It's also a lot safer than going out to your physician's office right now. So it is, I really think it helps a lot of vulnerable populations as well as, well as all of us that really are, are so busy these days. You know, it's, uh, it takes time to go to the office, to your doctor's office. And if you can do something over the, you know, uh, electronically, you know, uh, it's, I think it's, uh, it's a good way for a lot of people. Sure. I think about it from the public health perspective as well, because, you know, previously we used to have people, if they were really sick, they needed a work note. They might come to my office. Now they're sick and they're spreading that in the waiting room. And then they also might have had to leave their house. So to tell somebody who's sick, leave your house and come out in the community is probably not the best of all advice. And they might not need any medications, but they might need a work note or they might need some sick excuse for something or maybe just some decongestants or something that doesn't really require an in-person visit. So I suspect for certain things, we're going to become much more efficient at making sure that we are keeping sick people at home. That's the other message that I've certainly taken to heart is if you're sick, do not go spread your infection to other people. Try and stay home. And everybody these days is having their own little arsenal of, you know, Tylenol or ibuprofen or aspirin or decongestants and cold medicine and whatever it is that they may need. Keep that up so that you don't have to go sick to a pharmacy to get it. And again, spread all those germs again. So think about ways that we can take some of the learning experiences from what we're going through right now and carry that on into the future. Exactly. Stay home, save lives. Really important. You see a lot of those messages across and you see folks that are posting that because I think, you know, the other thing I'm pretty certain about is we have got some amazing expertise at all of our medical centers. You've got associations with Kuakini. I've got associations. I work at Straub Medical Center. I know that Queens also has a large quantity of physicians that are really all stepping up to the plate and supporting in areas that they might not otherwise work in, but know that if called up to duty to cover these locations, they're going to be able to do it. So I'm also really proud of our medical professionals who have all stepped up and said, if there's a problem, I'm going to help out and here's what I can do. And let's let's make a list of who you need to call just in case there's a problem. Our hospitals are going to be fairly in fairly good shape as long as we keep our numbers low. And as you said, stay home, stay safe and stay well. I think we're going to be able to to get through this and do well. That's an excellent point. I mean, people on the front lines, they're uh, at the biggest risk of, of getting ill. And a lot of people have gotten ill and have died from coronavirus, especially in New York State, you know, where things are in New York City, where things are really in, in a bad way. Although, you know, like you said, we are getting through it. And I think, you know, we're turning a corner. There's a there's an inst- there's an institute uh, at the University of Washington. I think it was funded originally by the uh by uh, Bill Gates and his charitable foundation. It's 
called the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. And they do worldwide uh, COVID-19 projections, um, basically how they think this whole pandemic is going to play out in terms of um, how long it sticks around. And, and they base their, their projections on uh, assuming full social distancing all the way through May 2020. And they actually, for Hawaii, they predict that uh, our maximum uh, resource, peak resource use is going to be April 20th. And when I say peak resource, that means ICU beds, ventilators, uh, and all, all other hospital beds. And they project it. Um, actually, about a month ago, before we started major social distancing, uh, we were going to run, according to their projections, out of ICU beds, out of ventilators. But now it looks like for their projections, we're not going to do that. We're going to be okay. Well, I want to thank you very much for sharing your expertise with us today. We're going to have to do it again, Dr. Wilcox. My pleasure. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Our engineer, David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. See you next week.